I am recording. Sorry, we're fixed. We're in good shape. I am also recording now. I've been recording for three minutes and 45 seconds. Do you want me to restart it? Hello and welcome to another episode of The Mighty Rewind. This is a weekly podcast where three brothers take a look at a movie and a topic from popular culture that you may or may not care about. My name is Tyler. You got Brian here. And you've got Jeff, as always. Um, this week we are continuing our wishes series, our three, our three wishes series. I guess, whatever. Our, our series of movies with wishes in them. I like the three uh, Jeff, wishes series. I like yeah. that. It's like symbolic of like standard three wish jokes or, or punchlines or story arcs. Each one of us picks yep. one. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> this week we picked, uh, well, Jeff picked a movie. Jeff, what movie did you pick and why? I picked the movie Liar Liar. Um, I wanted to go with a non-genie based story since the last one was heavily genie based. Um, and I wanted to go with one that was going to be depicted more as a comedy than a drama or a tragedy. Um, and so there's not too many movies that, that fit that narrative. And uh, at the same time, big fan of Jim Carrey. And I haven't seen this movie in a long time. Uh, so I chose the movie Liar Liar. What is this movie about? For those, for somehow, if no, if someone has not seen this movie, yeah, it came yeah. out. If someone hasn't seen this movie and and is still listening to this episode of the podcast for some reason, uh, what this film is about is Jim Carrey is a lawyer who gleefully takes uh, lying as a part of his job. Um, happily, will lie if it helps him win a case. Um, at the same time, he is divorced, uh, and from his divorce, he has a child who is turning five. Um, and he is a bad father because he constantly puts his career above the needs of his child. That's where you start off. Okay. And then, and then what happens? <laughs> at, his fifth, at his son's fifth birthday party, after disappointing his son, uh, his son makes a wish that his father cannot lie for the next 24 hours. Uh, which is devastating because he has a very important case to win uh, that involves him lying a lot. And so now he has to find a way to win this case without lying. Um, and it's him going through the mental anguish of not being able to lie. That's right. So that's pretty much everything. I mean, this movie came out in 1997. It was directed by Tom Shadiak, written by Paul Gway and Stephen Mazur. Sorry for anybody I offended by pronouncing their name incorrectly. It stars Jim Carrey, Mara Tierney, Jennifer Tilly, and Carrie Elwes. Um, and yeah, I uh, I mean, we watched I mean, it, this movie came out in 1997 when I was seven years old. Um, it was a mainstay in our house when we were growing up. I can't even count how many times I've watched this movie. 
too many in all honesty um i will say i don't know how much it really holds up for me um but i still found it endearing to watch and you know it was like a nostalgia watch for me brian how did you feel re-watching this movie how yeah, long had it, it been um i you know i would say early 2000s so shoot 20 years <laughs> oh that hurts that hurts um and i will say it did feel like one time too many this time you know i feel like i i remembered it fondly um but you know definitely I don't know. Like I didn't. I didn't feel like I, I got anything additional out of the movie. I didn't. You know. I. I. Looking back on it fondly is one thing, but I think watching it back through, you need to get so, you know something out of it. And I just you know, it, it didn't have anything else to offer. I think Jim Carrey is. Uh, is it fair to say he's just in his absolute prime in this movie? Like. Yeah. Yep. For he's, sure. He feels like he's peak powers, Jim Carrey, with you know his. Um, comedy and you know just his gravitas you can just really feel that he kind of owns um owns the scene but at the same time um i feel like that's kind of all it offered was so was jim carrey and he's got funnier stuff out there for sure i will say just like on that um jim carrey was like the number one movie star in the world in, in during this time period um the ace ventura movies were such massive hits this movie for an, for example was made on a budget of 45 million, right? So you double that for um, marketing and you come out with like about 90 million, right? All in. And it grossed 302 million. So massive hit, massive success. It, I mean, to this day, is number 66 on Universal's highest grossing films of all time. Really? 66 is, I mean, I guess that's high, but also feels not. There's that only good? 65 <laughs> movies that have done better than Liar Liar. Uh, no, for for no, the production by Universal by this studio, but Universal I, okay. doesn't have that, that changes things. Much. For for reference, Tyler, that's out of 791 films. See, that's still not not that impressive. What, what are know. right ahead of it? Do you have a list up? Uh, I do. Uh, so immediately ahead of it is 2018 Skyscrapers, Little Fockers, Born Supremacy, Battleship, Beautiful Mind. Um, See, some great great in- movies in there. Battleship. Classic. Immediately below yeah, it, it's in great company right there with little fuckers <laughs> and skyscrapers. E- immediately below it is 2004's Van Helsing, Pacific Rim, Bridesmaids, oh, Oblivion, oh, Pitch Helsing Perfect, is a cult that classic. Is I love Van Helsing. Yeah, Van Helsing is so good. I mean, down this list, you've no, also it's got bad, but I love it. You've got Love Actually, which I've is a cult never classic. Seen a bad movie that you've got. Selling it. Uh, I don't know. Too Fast, Too Furious is down here at number 97. Oh, quick, criminal. Quick quick game here. What is Universal Pictures' uh, hi, three highest grossing films? Guesses. What do you guys got? If, you, if anyone can guess what, like, that lands in the top five, I don't know. I'll, I'll buy you a bottle of something. Uh, is Incredible Hulk up there? No. Incredible Hulk is below Liar Liar. Oh, wow. Um, wow. Top. That's actually surprising. That has to be the lowest grossing Marvel movie, right? Um, Jeez, I don't know. Uh, right. I'm not knowledgeable enough to distinguish between studios like that. Yeah, I'm these are think, is Invisible Man in there? No. So, so one of these is uh, a super long running franchise. Fast and the Furious. Which one? I don't. The all the all top three. Uh, of Fast it's and number Furious seven. Movies. It's got to be the one that Paul Walker died. 
filming. That's six, right? Furious Seven. Seven is number two on highest grossing of Universal Films. And Fate of the Furious, the 2017 follow-up, is number four. Number okay. What's number, number five, one and three? Number one number and five three, deserve to be that high. The other ones n- don't. Number one and three is Jurassic World. Mm, yeah, and, that's right. And the Jurassic World follow-up, whatever it's called. <laughs> have you guys uh, seen the most recent one, fall, by the way? Is that worth it? Kingdom. I think I saw that it's available. Don't somewhere. watch it. I think we both have come out on the Dude, podcast so independently bad. and been like, don't. It's There's not worth it. so I mean, much bad shit that film. It's so you throw hard it on it. in the background when you're cleaning your house and miss a bunch of it and it's fine. Which is what I did, but <laughs> that's pretty much the only way that's it's, acceptable to watch. I'm it. struggling because it's one of those like Transformers where like I'm willing to accept a, a weaker storyline for the fact that I get to see giant robots kicking ass. That's what you're gonna yeah. get this one. I mean, what I, what I yeah. never understand is is in this concept between Jurassic uh, World, the, the in the last two Jurassic World films, they have established that that they can attach a laser that controls dinosaurs. And so what they do is they put that on the bottom of an M16 and then they walk around pointing lasers at people <laughs> instead of pulling the trigger. It's like, <laughs> so they're not shooting people with the guns. Yeah, they're but just like, go get them, dinosaur. <laughs> the idea, Brian, is that once you've been marked with the laser, the dinosaur will follow you until you die. to the ends of the earth. It yeah. will chase you forever. But, but if you've marked, marked them with a laser, they were in direct line of sight with your gun. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need to worry about that horrible yeah. hunting game. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And characters routinely escape from being targeted with a laser. So it's clearly not as efficient as pulling a trigger with a bullet that travels thousands of meters just per second. Just picture them being like, oh, I got them in my sight. Should I pull the trigger? No, we're going to play the long game with this one. <laughs> we got to get the dinosaurs. Um, set the Freddy Krueger of the Animal Kingdom on them. <laughs> Yeah, it's Jurassic so World Dominion, I think, is this one. Um, yeah. It was one of those movies where, first of all, full spoilers for every movie ever made. Um, it's one of those movies where, uh, remember when you were a kid and you would just like play with your action figures and like bash them together, and then like every scene was just like, oh no, now this guy is hanging off the cliff. I gotta get my guys together to save him, and then another person would fall off, and like that's just how you played with them. It was always like crisis scenarios. Sure. This movie is that. It's just like every time someone's getting saved, someone else is put in peril. Like every single time. It's just, it was just like, what is happening here? There's not really any plot. Everybody's just almost dying. That's all it is. Um, but yeah, 10 out of 10, full recommend. Yeah, everybody should see it. Just kidding. I uh, I did not like it, but I you know throw it on if you're interested enough. But all right, getting back to the 66th best film that Universal has ever put out. That's right, uh, liar liar. <laughs> so full spoilers for this movie. Who wants to start the discussion? Actually, you know what, Jeff, you start the discussion because this is your choice. Yeah. What do you want to talk about in relation to this movie that has been talked about for the last sure. 25 years? <laughs> I, mean, I, I gotta say. Um, I haven't seen this movie in like 15 years. Um, and so I remember there's a lot of moments from this film that I've quoted over the years that, and always looked back on this movie fondly. Um, I got to say, watching it now as an adult, um, much less fond of the protagonist. I always kind of fell into the protagonist viewpoint of being like, oh yeah, Jim Carrey's just a nice guy. But he's really, really not in this movie. Um he really doesn't deserve any of the good that comes to him at the end of the film. He makes literally one effort at the end of the film in order to be a good person and, and immediately gets all of the rewards that, that um, being a good person comes with, which is interesting because um, yeah. he just doesn't stop being a bad person. I mean, he literally finds out that he can't lie and he spends 
three quarters of the movie, if not more, trying to go back to being a bad person desperately. Um, and uh, I don't know. It's interesting. But I remember always looking back at the, at the film sympathetically, um, thinking, oh, yeah, the protagonist isn't that bad. But now watching it as an adult, I'm like, I totally forgot he did this shit. Um, so much less sympathetic of a protagonist. Um, one of those films, kind of like uh, with the Lon Hammond, where I felt like there was a, a character in the, in the side that kind of got screwed for no reason. Um, and the protagonist didn't deserve uh, what he got. But still an enjoyable film. Jim Carrey does absolutely masterclass in being himself. Um, okay, so let me stop you right there because uh, I don't know if I've ever gone on the record, maybe a long time back, but it's probably worth reestablishing how badly Lon Hammond got screwed. I like that uh, we've been on this podcast right now for uh, 13 minutes and are just adamantly refusing to talk about the movie that we're <laughs> supposed to talk about. We're just bringing up every other movie. Look, look, you're going to say Lon Hammond. I'm going to have an opinion. All right. Oh, yeah. I'm, I finally made Brian the, he, the I've got a T-shirt that says Lon Hammond got screwed. Yeah, I finally so, made it for him. So, look, I, I, I'm offended that you put anybody in this movie on that level because uh, Lon Hammond got screwed on a, uh, on a level of epic, epic proportion uh, that I can't really think of many people that have gotten hosed harder. Um, yeah, if you guys are wondering who I'm talking about, I'm referring to uh, the true hero of the Notebook film um, that ended up getting the short end of the stick when his wife left him for uh, a stalker, essentially. <laughs> yeah, a stalker uh, Noah bastard. They need to they need to remake that film through Lon Hammond's eyes. Yeah, uh, James, uh, what's his name? Marsden needs Marsden needs uh, needs a comeuppance for sure. He needs to stop taking those roles. <laughs> Agreed. Um, okay, cool. So let's go back to liar liar. <laughs> uh, yeah, Carrie Elwes is just like a good guy, and his major crime is that he's just kind of boring. I guess. But he's got like a stable job. He really loves the woman. He wants to be a good dad. But just because by by virtue of not being the biological father and also not being good at the claw game, he's an like, oh, God, like, this guy sucks. It's Let's a bad get fit. rid of him. Bad fit. <laughs> yeah, it's like, what the hell? <laughs> this, this movie is like anti-stepdad. Like whoever wrote it was like his wife left him and got remarried and he's just like god damn it it's like in uh it's like the how i met your mother thing where it's like the story gets rewritten right yeah the wedding bride yeah the wedding bride <laughs> i'm jed mosley no can doosville baby doll yeah so a hundred percent uh looking at that that guy did absolutely nothing wrong was completely accommodating and great He's like a great guy. And yeah, he's perfect. The, Just leave them alone and go on with your lawyer life. You're you literally have a get out of jail free card, dude. <laughs> I mean, know? look, if Kelly and I were to separate and she got remarried and then was like, I'm moving to another state far away with my new spouse and I'm taking our son, I would have issues, right? That is a perfect motivation. I don't need their romantic subplot to be tied into it. Like, you can just tell that story without them getting back together. You know what I mean? I think in a modern, like, if they were to do a modern remake, it would be less about 
getting them back together. And it would be more about him realizing that he wants to be a part of his son's life and that he's been living his life wrong. I think in this in this time period, they were just writing things where it's like, oh, no, there has to be a romantic element. You know yeah, what I mean? Like that's got to be part of the motivation. The right. Right. Exactly. So I think with a, in a modern context, we probably would remove that romantic subplot. But, you know, whatever. Um, it, it they didn't in the nineties. So, uh, what else is going on in this movie? What, uh, discount Jennifer Aniston kind of has it going on. Discount Jennifer Aniston being Jennifer Tilly, uh, his his ex wife. Oh, um, yeah. She. What else is she in? She's like she, Jennifer Aniston that you ordered on Wish. Ah, she's Wish. Uh, she's semi pro, isn't she? Come on, nobody. Yeah, she is in semi-pro. Oh yeah, she totally is in semi-pro. That didn't even click for me. She's in a lot. She's uh she's a good actress, I think. Um let's see. What else has she been in? Does she do the same thing in semi-pro? Is she playing the same character that leaves her? Wow, she totally like, does. Sort of. She moves yeah, on and then similar. moves back. She's done Just, a lot of TV in recent years wish version jennifer aniston you are just like james marston <laughs> typecast <laughs> because of two roles <laughs> those two roles we've just applied that to you i also like wish version of jennifer aniston. well it kind of fits our genre <laughs> yeah i guess it's also just like really mean <laughs> it's like all right i'll take that back i think she's... low budget production version of jennifer aniston <laughs> I think she is a um, talented actress and and very attractive. To getting compared to Jennifer Aniston at all is a win, but yeah, um, you know, at that time it seemed like that's what they were trying to capture. I don't know what the. I mean, Friends is like right in the middle of its heyday, right there. Right, right, and it like just felt like it, it, that was screaming at me every time she was in a scene. Was like, I don't know. Just Jennifer Aniston vibe, but it just felt like they were actually like quietly she, trying to. She looks capture, very similar. Capture. I, I I get a lot of Jennifer vibe every time I, every time I watch Semi Pro too, so I, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying um, like, her performance. Whenever I see her, I, I also catch those same vibes. Sure. Um, great. I'm trying to think. I really don't have much to say about this movie. I wish I did, but I think. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say something. Because yeah. I had this thought that was nagging at me the whole time where while he was kind of more unlikable than I remember him being, Jim Carrey, I I did find a lot of his kind of day-to-day stuff to be more relatable than I used to. In that, you know, you say you're going to be somewhere, but then work trips you up because, you know, you're, you're busy and there's a lot of demands on your time. Things aren't going right, you know. He, like he very clearly, I think, was a little bit more of uh, causing self-inflicted uh, issues by not prioritizing, uh, you know, things properly. But there was just definitely moments where it's like, um, you know, flashing back to like a week or two ago where I was late getting home because I, you know, had a little extra work I needed to wrap up, or one thing led to another, and I didn't get through my to-do list of things at work that day, and suddenly like. You know, I missed my my daughter's wake window, and she was back napping by the time I arrived. And like all of a sudden, I'm watching this movie, and it's like, you know, he's he's working a very uh, demanding, high profile job that I could easily see even the the most well intentioned person having a really hard time balancing that and a family that you're kind of removed from. You know, like why am I going to prioritize? 
my kid who's basically, you know, living with my ex-wife who doesn't want me around, who has another dude in the picture. Like, I, I think anybody, you know, would norm, would naturally kind of prioritize their own success over um, trying to be that third wheel there just to be there for the kid. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I kind of was, like, feeling for him a little bit in the, in the like, the scope of, like, He's kind of been removed from that family due to the you know the separation and therefore yeah, but the like, separation he... happened because yep. of his prior his overprioritization yep. of work, right? Absolutely, like, that's and the that's issue, where he becomes unlikable. She, yeah, right. She wants him to pay atten- be more attentive to the family, and that's what she's been waiting for. Which is where the romantic subplot comes in, where once he does start showing that initiative, she and yeah. she's like, "Oh, this is all I wanted the whole time." Right. Yeah. I mean, totally. Also... And that's where that's where it's not relatable. Um, but you know, I it just, it, we're only watching through the scope of like post separation. And in that sense, I'm like, man, I, I kind of get where he's like, you know, what the hell I've got like the biggest case in my life. I'm like at the cusp of true success in my field. Uh, like, yeah, I'm going to be a little bit more unavailable at the moment. You know what I mean? Like at the same time, I think, I think the part where I really was like, oh, I don't remember that was with his first interaction with his ex-wife where they're talking about the prior relationship. And she's like, you got to remember, I was having sex way less often than you were when we were married. And I was like, oh, oh yeah, he cheated. Instantly I totally unlikable. About that. Instantly I, unlikable. Yeah, I yeah. forgot about that, too. Uh, that's, I mean, if someone uh, cheats on me, yeah. there's no way in hell He's you get a second He's not really chance. a hero in this, is he, in no. any way? Yeah. No. I mean, how long? No. And you see his priorities... Yep. with all the women in the film as well like he's got his boss that's an attractive you know kind of assertive woman he doesn't really shun her nope. <laughs> you know and then he's got the um the his client that like he doesn't do anything with but at the same time it's not like he's like this man of purity that's like you know no. completely hands off or whatever it's just no, this was definitely this movie what? was definitely written by a man where it's like all women are sex objects here to tempt you and it's hard to get your day-to-day shit done because women are just out here having boobs and it's their fault that I can't get anything done without oogling them or trying to, to have sex with them. I mean, this movie is pretty sexist. It's I mean, a pure 90s. Pure yeah, 90s. it's pretty it, toxic. It wouldn't get away with sense. They wouldn't get away with that shit today for sure. No. Watching it in through a modern lens, it's just kind of like, oh, geez, like a lot like – one of the funniest lines I can remember that is stuck in my head is the part where he essentially sexually harasses a woman in an elevator. <laughs> and I'm like, I thought this was so funny as a kid, but now watching it, I'm like, this is so like, upsetting what a to HR watch. HR nightmare. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my God. And on top of that, like he can't lie. And yet the, the ultimate conclusion of what he wants to say to this woman results in him screaming mama and then making suckling faces at her. Like, right. how, how is that? How is Which that? Which is ridiculous. Why how are is you that getting, anyone's like, truth? How is that yeah. anyone's like core? I need to be honest right now. Yeah. What was he going to say to her? That was the lie. <laughs> I want to know what the lie is in that situation. And just that he didn't want to yell boobs at her. I don't understand. The most amazing part of this whole thing is in any moment where he started to say a lie and then it forced him to say a truth, he could just not talk. Mm-hmm. He could yeah. just, he could just not say anything. <laughs> and instead he's like, blah, 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 and says all this shit that ruins his life. And it's I like, feel like he's compelled <laughs> to tell the truth. 
which which is the the, the story that when we get to our topic i'm going to make you guys in the situation be compelled to tell the truth if you get asked a question so you cannot just choose silence not always yeah i don't um i don't know i just yeah i think some of the funniest parts of this movie that I remember are just they don't hold up anymore through a modern lens where it's like, no, this is actually this should not have been a movie that like I watched as a child because it probably made me kind of view things in a little bit of a not is great it, way. Is there, up, is know? there a woman in this film that is uh, portrayed, portrayed <laughs> in any position of power or like, you know, like an empowering light where they're done any kind of justice i mean the secretary takes her job into her own hands when she doesn't like her boss anymore yeah but he's not trying to actively have sex with her because <laughs> she's too old for him <laughs> right she's and she not written with any kind of sex appeal and she immediately forgives him the the second right she hears he did one good thing uh, yeah, this movie really doesn't hold up. Like the more, would, the more that I think about it, the more but, I'm like, wow, yeah, this movie. You would say his ex-wife, but really not, not really. Like she just completely ran back to him the moment he seemed like he cared. What what blew my mind about the ex-wife was that she's totally fine, like moving away. But it's very clear by the end of the movie she's only moving away to get away from her ex-husband, which is just a wild, wild series of events. Or she feels like she needs to reset her life without him or something. Yeah, I don't even that doesn't really make sense to me because she immediately calls it off while on the airplane. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like she's about to take it off and then she's like, actually, never mind. Like what was she going to do when she got there? He showed up late one time and now he's going to get a second chance of being a father. And yeah. it's just like, ne- never I, I, mind. I, he, he acted like a complete maniac on the tarmac and, and that's what I've been waiting for. He's about yeah, to go to prison. A mental for health crisis. Very publicly. He clearly is ready to change. He's for <laughs> sure getting put on every no fly list in the country. I, I feel like this is the moment that I've been waiting for. Like, yeah, this it's honestly, we're really unraveling this movie. <laughs> So I'll say the the two best parts of this film that still held up for me. Um, uh, one's very quick, which is when he has a, a regular client call him because he just knocked over an ATM and got caught and needs legal advice. Stop and Jim, breaking the law. Jim Carrey just grabs the phone and screams into the receiver, stop breaking the law, asshole. And I yeah. quote that all the time. Me and one of my best friends, Peter, literally whenever we see someone like jaywalking or anything, we'll just immediately turn to each other and say that. Um very yeah. funny. And then Very him, him kicking the shit out of himself in the bathroom is is peak Jim Carrey physical that's, comedy. That's where he earns his money right there. And sure. yeah. I actually or, have a fun fact for that. They didn't I'm add any my ass. Do you mind? Yeah. Very, they didn't very add funny. any sound effects to that scene. He, he so actually that's really him it's doing really it. him beating the shit out of himself with a toilet seat. Um, yeah. Wow. That's good. They repeat they basically base there's a whole scene in Fight Club based on this. <laughs> <See>? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, very funny. Uh, I also like the um, in the courtroom when he explains that if he holds his pee, he'll have uh, genital problems in the future. It's very funny because he's like, is that true? It has to be. <laughs> Still works for me. Very funny. Um and then when he's at the airport and he's like, the good news is I've broken both my legs, so they can't take me immediately to jail. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Another great line is when the kid says, what's what's really good about people is what's on the inside. And that's just something ugly people say is so, is so funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of the funniest. I think about that just in my day to day, just just all the time. I think it is such a funny line. <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> okay. So we talked about the film. Was there anything else about the film that we want to talk about? Or do we want to get into the IMDb and the fun facts and then move on to our topic? Sorry, I'm still laughing about the ugly people joke. It's so stupid. It's like... Cause... Brian, where does this rate? Uh, Rotten Tomatoes has this movie pinned at uh, a critic score of fresh 83%. Okay. A wow, audience name. score of 75%. Better and than... Metacritic has it as... Uh, with a meta score of 70 and a user score of 8.7. Better than like 90% of Will Smith's discography. That's impressive. Whoa, there's just a random shot. Didn't we already cover that Will Smith doesn't have any uh, or filmography? Doesn't Will Smith, like all of his movies are like really horribly rated? Is oh, I don't right? think that can be true. He's in some great movies. What are you talking about? Pursuit of Happiness? You think that's got a horrible rating? No way. It's like 90% of his films or something are like 60% or below. I, I mean, maybe. I actually, why don't we just settle this right now? Yeah, uh, Emancipation has a again 40... refusing to talk about the movie that we're here to talk about. But All right. <laughs> what, what do you got, Brian? Go ahead. Uh, his most recent one on Apple TV: forty-five percent rotten, ninety percent for King Richard. Bad Boys for Life got a seventy-six percent. Fresh Prince okay. of Bel Air reunion. I don't know what the hell that is. Whatever. Aladdin got a fifty-seven percent rotten. Gemini Man, 26% rotten. Bright, 26% rotten. Uh, that's uh, it's just the most recent ones. Let's see. Sorry, it's not refreshing. Wild Wild West is like 99%, I think. Probably. <laughs> right? <laughs> For the, sp- the giant mechanical spider scene alone. Yep. I, I believe. Uh, so, I mean, that's a classic. We we can come back to we, we covered Will that Smith's when we did our Will Smith filmography later. We but. did we did a whole Will Smith episode and we covered this topic. I promise. Um, yeah, I love that we did the Will Smith episode and then like a week later he publicly slapped Chris Rock at the Academy Awards. Just like single handedly, literally. We were just like talking about how he's one of my heroes for like an hour, and then he just went on and embarrassed himself, and then I was just like, oh god, I'm on record of just like. Publicly, yeah. publicly, just like declaring him a hero, but whatever. I still, you know what? I ride for him. He had a that was a bad thing that he did, but I still like him. So I've got a couple fun facts about this film. <laughs> this probably won't surprise anybody, but Robin Williams turned down the opportunity to play this role. <clears throat> God, there's so many stories of Robin Williams in the '90s, like being so close, like you know, just like hovering around so many different roles, right? Yeah, and the, direct, the director of this film went on to work with uh, Robin Williams on Patch Adams the next year. Mm. Uh, Jim I Carrey. I do not like that movie. <laughs> Jim Carrey, in order to do this film, turned down the role of Dr. Evil. Wow. That's it's probably not... for the best. Uh, I don't know. Austin Powers? I mean, that kind of kickstarts Mike Myers like really diving into just playing every role, which is fine for him, I guess. But... 
I feel like Austin Powers could have been made better by Jim Carrey being in it, but I just don't see Jim Carrey signing on for all the sequels to Austin Powers, you know, and I think all of them are pretty classic still. So sorry, Jeff, continue. Yeah. Um, so Jim Carrey got his start uh, on a TV show, at least after being a successful comedian on a TV show called In Living Color, where he created a character that was a recurring character through skits called Fire Marshal Bill that most people yeah. can look up the, the skits online. They're hilarious. Fire Marshal Bill makes an appearance in this film uh, at the end of the film. Uh, you can see Jim Carrey and the full fireman get up in the background calling in something on a radio. Um, what? Yep. Uh, I will say in Living Color, he comes on as like one of the only black uh, or white actors on like an <laughs> almost entirely um, black sketch show. Yep. Uh, and really kind of like steals the show in a way i mean there's great sketches on in loving color highly recommend going back and watching them but brian loves one of them specifically which is the juice juice the juice weasel man brian used to quote that just incessantly when we were growing up i'm so, invisible highly recommend people go and check that out but it's yeah really incredible it'll always stand the test of time that's really, really set up hours to uh, carry jim carrey I, I i do feel like maybe we should just acknowledge the fact that jim carrey is probably i mean i will at least say i don't want to speak for you guys you guys can kind of echo it if you feel it but he's one of the goats in my opinion like mm -hmm. i like even to this day i watched sonic and sonic 2 because i wanted to see what he was up to you know what i mean like i don't like those movies i thought they were both bad but i watched them just purely because jim carrey is in there because I like him so much, and I think he is so funny. Um, He's on my comedian Mount Rushmore for sure. He'd probably be the first person I put on there. Yeah, for me, I would. He's he's high up there. Uh, I don't know if he's number one, but he's definitely in that four for me. So, this props film, to you, Jim Carrey, even though you seem to be really, really insane now. <laughs> he seems like a really crazy dude, but I, you know what? Very funny. So, I'll take it. And also, uh, I want to buy one of your paintings, so reach out, hit me up, let me know. I don't know if uh, you guys have seen his paintings. They're crazy. They're pretty good. I like them. I haven't. Uh, so this film featured a lot of Jim Carrey going manic, which was basically the director's only note as he kept going. Like, basically every scene, the director wanted him going full tilt into his, his mania, um, which caused Jim Carrey to be just physically exhausted. He was like, There's no film exhausted me like this one at the time, um, was basically his comment on it. Um, which is interesting. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's about it. The kid who played Max in this film grew up to become a sports commentator. Where? <laughs> uh, let's see. There's only one guy named Max I can think of, and I don't think he looks anything like him. Uh, Fox Sports Radio. Mm. Interesting. That's the fun facts for the day. Uh, I appreciate that. Uh, let's move on to the topic. Jeff, why don't you introduce what we're going to be discussing in relation to this movie? So the, the topic that I wanted to discuss, carrying the theme of this movie, is what is the worst job you can have where you're not able to lie? Uh, obviously, this film, we see the role of a lawyer, so we don't need to put that one on the list. But I'm curious with each one of them. I'm going to challenge uh, Brian said he had a couple. So I'm going to challenge Brian first. Wait, no, I want to go first oh. because I just have the one and I'm afraid one of you guys is going to use fair. it first. So, Let's hear it. Um, so mine started as 
customer service representative. <laughs> but then when I talked to my wife about it, she reminded me of something that Brian will actually have a lot to say here. And it's actually enterprise rent a car Damn it. agent <laughs> is it one of yours that's obviously <laughs> yeah <for> two years. <laughs> I, that's why i wanted to get out in front because I was like i'm pretty sure Dude, brian's gonna say this you have to lie constantly or why don't you sucks. explain what the lie is to anybody because i feel like most of our listeners are going to be mind blown by how enterprise rent a car operates so first off their business model is a lie if you book a <laughs> if you book a rental car <laughs> reservation <laughs> What it says is, oh, like pick your vehicle class and you'll pick like a small sedan or a truck or a SUV or whatever. That's it completely leads you to believe that you are going to have a vehicle of that vehicle class waiting for you when you arrive at the scheduled time for your reservation. That is not true. Basically, and the way they will get never around be it, true. <laughs> no, it will not. The, the way they get around it is by saying, uh, you know, your vehicle class or similar is what you're booking. And by putting in or similar, they are legally allowed to just give you any other vehicle that has four wheels, essentially. And an engine. <laughs> essentially, that's similar enough for them to be able to bypass it. And there's no, like, like pinning a car down for your reservation. It's just whatever we have on the lot when you arrive is what we work with. And so there's times where there's, like, 50 reservations for small sedans and we have like four and so what we end up doing is just like shoving people into minivans or trucks or whatever we can talk them into taking for free upgrades or whatever other bs and it's it's just a lie and on the other side of things (laughs) managing a vehicle fleet is uh extremely difficult in that vehicles pop up with needs all the time especially when people drive them as hard as they do with rental cars that they don't own and don't care about um so it's really often that like a a check engine light will pop on uh or you know a car will come due for an oil change and basically when you're desperate and you're you're like short on cars for reservations because you can only carry so many cars in your fleet uh it is a very common practice for you know enterprise employees to just say oh that that light just didn't get reset and you get really good at resetting them super fast or resetting them while you're washing the car and you're just renting cars out that are in desperate need of maintenance <laughs> and you're just lying to, and you're just lying to people i can't tell you how good i got it just being like oh don't worry about that like it just being super you know assuring and at oh, the same yeah. time that car is like four thousand miles overdue for an oil change or something you know so for context uh my wife worked at enterprise and then helped brian get a job after college at enterprise and so learning how the business operates from within from talking to the two of them it just seemed like all day every day everything that came out of your mouths you have to lie was a lie like everything you said to clients was not true you had to be like oh yeah sorry like we have a shortage on the the sedan so i'm gonna get you this free upgrade into this Honda Windstar minivan. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's more. It's an than upgrade because you get more seats. You have I to mean, like lie about why it's an upgrade. Like everything about it is just a lie. So I mean, there's there's a so I mean, there's a wider genre here, which is just salespeople. All, all three of us have worked in sales at different times. Any salesperson's going to have a hell of a time not being able to lie. I'd, um, I'd say customer service or sales. I, I think client, it's all yeah, kind of rolled into really one there. Any really client-facing role. When I was a manager of a customer service department, by the time clients got to me, they were 
very upset. And so most of the things I had to say to calm them down was just lies. It was just like, yeah, we're having issues with our system. I totally understand. Like, we're going to do this for you and we're going to do this for you. And you know what? I'm going to, so that you don't have to be on the phone while I do it. I'm just going to handle it and then I'll call you back. And then I would hang up and I wouldn't do it for like two days because I was already trying to work on stuff from two days previous, do, you know, that line to those <laughs> other clients. You know what I mean? Like you just have to do whatever you can to calm people down and make them feel like they're being taken care of. So a lot of that just ends up being lies. Well, just Sales. a lot of those business models are centered around doing things that are in such a, you know, tight turnaround or a, you know, yeah. such a restricted, you know, way that like, it, it's just not possible. You know, you're managing these ridiculously, you know, small fleets and you're in there encouraged to book as many reservations as you can to drive rentals. But like what that means is you're going to start running out of cars and then they're still encouraging you to book reservations that you don't now don't have cars for. And so it just forces you into these situations where you're just kicking and scratching to get through your day. And it's, it's just well, like, a perfect scenario to breed lies. Again, with enterprise, like you guys would get, like people would show up and be like, well, I want this sedan. And you're like, well, we have zero cars on the lot right now. So what we're going to do is you're going to hop in this car that's dirty and hasn't been washed yet. And I'm going to drive you to this other enterprise lot where they have the car that you need. That's and then you my get wife. there <laughs> and then they rent out, they've already rented out that sedan. And so then that enterprise has to try to free upgrade them into a that's correct a pickup yeah. truck no you're, you're doing it on their lot like i said that's that's yeah. how i met my wife legitimately we called her branch and said hey can i bring a angry customer over they've been sitting here for an hour she's like yeah yeah yeah, we got the car and then i show up and the car isn't there so she's <laughs> yeah. at, she sat there watched me get screamed at for a while but uh you know we're happily married you know five plus years later yeah where's that episode of how I met your mother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think that's a that's a strong contender, right? The, I, I hadn't uh, known all those details. I'm guessing most of our listeners haven't either. That's uh, you would not be able to get through that job without lying. Customer it's, service specifically. Now, in a sales role, when I have worked in sales, it I didn't lie really in sales. I mean, maybe in the way that I wouldn't necessarily. Disclose, fully disclose every aspect of a, of a product. Right. You know what I mean? I would highlight the benefits more and like not, and like wait and be like, here's like the form you have to sign. And that would have the disclosures on it. And I would encourage them to read it knowing that they're not going to read it. You know what I mean? So maybe by omission of truth, I'm, I'm lying, but I wouldn't like objectively tell some, tell someone something that was not true. Specifically because I've when I worked in sales, it was in like more of a finance based role, so it's fully sure. illegal for me to lie but, to them remember, about anything. But the prompt here is that you're compelled to tell the truth. So if someone asks you something and there is a truth there that could affect them, you're compelled to, to inform them of it. So if there's sure. a, a fault in your product or something, you would be compelled to be like, by the way, blah, and they'd be like, Oh, I don't want this product then, right? Like sales would be difficult if you were compelled to tell every single detail, even if that detail has a small chance of ever affecting them, um, right? Like imagine trying to be a car salesman and be like, oh, by the way, one in every 1,000 models of this car, the brakes fail, um, right? Like something like that would, would be devastating for no one would buy that car, even if you know that brake failure is actually less than the industry average. Accidents still happen. Uh, and that person could still be affected and you'd be compelled to let them know that that is a possibility and it would hurt it would your be sales. extremely difficult i 
obviously the example we gave, I, I can speak to very, uh, sorry, I can speak to very um, at depth or at length, but um, any sales job is all about like, you know, boosting the image of whatever product you're trying to get them to buy uh, beyond I would say in most cases, unless you're selling something really awesome, like maybe your robot that you work with, Jeff, is something that there's just nothing that can compare at the moment. And therefore, you don't really need a lie. It's, you know, because the yeah. truth speaks for itself. But when you're at a, you know, a job where you've got heavy competition in the marketplace and, you know, maybe your product isn't the absolute top of the line, like you're going to have to, it, you know, you would have a really hard time with Jim Carrey's um, you know, a curse in that movie because the truth blurting out would yep. like any truth could completely derail the sale. Right. Sure. Absolutely. So uh, getting away from customer service and sales though, I want to try to get a couple more in here. Did anyone, I Brian, do. Did, did, yeah, go ahead. So, so I had, I had one that I, I want to get to eventually, but uh, my girlfriend last night and I were talking about it and she threw out one that made me fucking crack up. A therapist. <laughs> so it's funny that you mentioned that there's a new show on apple plus that i haven't watched yet that i really want to with jason siegel from how i met your mother marshall from how i met your mother called shrinking where he's a therapist who decides to just tell people like how like just instead of like waiting for them to kind of reach their you know their yeah conclusions on their own he just is like you're what are you doing or whatever and he just starts telling them the truth of how he feels so right in line i do think a therapist would be tough a therapist would be insane like imagine someone being like does that make me crazy <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah kevin <laughs> it does yeah no what you're saying is not normal it's not <laughs> normal for you to sleep with the body pillow of an anime <laughs> character that's not um, normal <laughs> yeah i mean like best case scenario <laughs> I'll give you an example. There's a movie out there called Molly's Game about a woman who uh, ends up running like an illegal uh, poker ring and ends up Jessica going. Chastain and yeah. Idris Elba. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, all, all a true story. Michael Cera. Um, and in, in the film, she has a father who is like this just renowned therapist or psychoanalyst. And at the very end of the film, he puts her through this like two minute psychoanalysis where he just breaks down the entire plot of the film for her about why she did certain things and blah, 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 all about her childhood and reveals things to her. But he starts off by being like, I don't have time to put you through 20 years of therapy, so I'm going to break this down for you. And he literally like puts her through like a three step process to get her to this revelation. And I can imagine mm -hmm. a therapist, like you said, being able to do that, be like, I don't have time for this shit. You know, you did this for these reasons, and then you did this for these reasons, and then you did this for this. So your big revelation is X. And just handing that to a client on a silver platter and them going like, wait, what? Um, but I think that the other alternative of a therapist who just genuinely can't help but tell like an uncertain client their unbiased opinion would be just <laughs> absolutely horrible. Uh, because so much yeah. of that therapy is is relying on you assuring people and giving them sympathy Um and I think that it would just be such a hysterical uh, transition to have, you know, your standard therapy appointment. We're used to getting this assurance. And suddenly for that day, that therapist can't lie. And they're giving you their, their candid opinion of what they really think about you and how devastating that would be to, you know, that bond um, really, really cracked me up. Brian, what do you what do you got for for your next one? I wrote down Senator. Mm -hmm. Okay. I was going to ask, I was going to 
I was interested to see when we were going to get into politicians. Yeah, I just don't think that job is possible without lying, like on a daily basis. I mean, have you have you guys been seeing all the stuff about the dude out of New York that yes. fabricated his resume? San Sanchez Santos Santos. That's right. Uh, yeah. Wild. Well, and did you guys see the SNL sketch about him? No, it's, but I I'm oh my God. interested. So it's funny. Been I'll send it to you guys. Bowen Yang plays uh, plays him, and it is he basically shows up on Weekend Update and just like he's like. <laughs> Just I'm not lying. even going to repeat it. Just Everybody lying. just go and Google it. It yeah. is so That's funny. A skit. Has, That's a skit that writes itself. He pulls up like a COVID test at one point and he goes, oh, hold on. Madonna's calling me and pretends that Madonna's calling him on the COVID test. And he's like, he's like, oh, yeah, I remember like a virgin. I was the virgin. I was there. <laughs> it's just like exactly. so many stupid yeah. lies. It's, it's so That's a skit that writes itself. I mean, he's just been it's just, it's, it's absolutely mind blowing. It's but one of the craziest. I, I bring up this situation because one, it's fresh and two, because you've been I've been watching his colleagues on the Republican side who are very incentivized to keep him in his chair because he's a vote, a loyal vote to them. And I've well, just been, and he hold, he helps them uphold their very, very, very thin majority. Right. Right. Like, exactly. He, yeah. A loyal vote it, it, right now is more, is as, as important as it ever has been. And so like you can see the them. mental gymnastics that they're all going through to try to justify this person being in office when he is not the person that voters voted for, basically to provide some context, it's um, a senator uh, or sorry, a House uh, representative member who um, completely fabricated his uh, career achievements to date in order to uh, make himself look good to voters and ended up getting uh, our winning election. Um, and there's like so many blatant lies in his past. It's just damning. And yet... Um, you know, Republicans are just doing everything they can to to not get commit to, you know, pushing for his removal because yeah. they need his vote. And it's I mean, it's just scandal. amazing to see them, you know, be like, oh, you know, it's you know, it's something that he needs to think about, you know, and, and figure out with his voters and constituents. But, you know, I, I don't think it necessarily means he should be removed. And I'm like, God, you are such a piece of shit. Yep. I mean, any <laughs> scandal, right? I mean, like Ted Cruz trying to flee Mexico during the ice storms. And then, oh, my God. And then him turning around and being like, no, no, I was just going to fly my family to Mexico to make sure they're safe. And then I was going to turn around and fly back. Yeah, cool. Nobody <laughs> does that, dude. Nobody Go does that. fuck yourself, you Canadian bastard. Yeah, nobody you. does that. What an insane thing to say. Yeah. Right. But oh, like, no, I wasn't going to stay in Mexico. This suitcase? No, 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 no. It's filled with my wife's shoes, not my clothes, for sure. Exactly. It's, it, yeah, hilarious um, lies that these senators get themselves into. And if they just can't lie, I don't know if we'd end up with a different America because I think they'd still just. I don't know. Like Trump, I think was pretty honest to a lot of shit, and people still voted for him. But he also <laughs> lied a lot. Um, yeah, I don't know. It'd be interesting. <laughs> I, I think the president belongs in this conversation as well. But like senators defending themselves and getting caught in scandals would be a very different game of politics. I'll just say generalized politician. I mean, like yeah. let's put it this way. You know, even I, I know I'm sitting here ragging on Republicans, but it's both sides. I mean, it's you know Biden's sure. like Biden's had to like basically pretend like we haven't experienced recession like you know, performance numbers in the, in the economy for Pelosi has to act like months. her voting doesn't directly affect her stock holdings. Like it's, it's like so many, oh, like yeah. just that specifically, like politicians on both sides of the aisle 
are constantly acting like their voting is like altruistic, right? Like, oh no, we're doing this because of this. And it's like, no, 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 you're doing this because you hold this many stocks in microchip process, like processing, right. like it's bullshit. You're lying. They're all lying. It's yeah. all just, yeah, it's, it's all bullshit. It's the right po- answer Politics is just a serious, yeah, it, that, it's the main reason I didn't write it down because I was like, this is too obvious. Like, yeah. obviously, this so. is the, that would be the absolute worst job to have if you couldn't lie. But it would be the job that we would all hope people would not be lying at. Mm-hmm. But I think that it requires you to lie because you have to try to, like, work with and be agreeable to the most amount of people to maintain your job to do mm-hmm. any amount of good but then once you get there you have so much power that it's hard not to lie just to with just to retain that amount of power yep you know what i mean like it just breeds falsehoods it's yeah po- politics is really upsetting to think about in any i mean i think way. i think the president takes it to like a higher extreme where like presidents do press briefings and it's it, and you know they go through and be like hey what was your last uh, security briefing about, uh, yeah. something like that, or like, Hey, what do you think about this specific prime minister of this foreign power? Um, things like that, where you have to be extremely diplomatic, uh, where if you are actually telling your gut truth, uh, is going to have extreme ramifications to global foreign policy. Um, yeah, but yeah. I think senators a little bit closer to home. And I think that's a, that's a fantastic answer. I think it's just, I think the answer is just politician, right? It's not just, anyway. Yep. I, I got another one if, if no one else has any. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I wrote down stockbroker. Elaborate. Yeah. I, mean, I, I just think that the market is in many ways driven by sentiment. And I think that that on a professional level, uh, yeah, I've never worked that job, but at the same time, I, I'm just, you know, going by what I saw in Wolf of Wall Street. I'm going by what I generally know about the that job, but um, it's it's the same thing as selling cars or selling anything, right? You're selling a product, um, and you need to make it look as good as possible. And I think at times uh, that calls for lying. Hmm. I mean, you're not wrong, <coughs> but I think that that falls into sales. In the same way that we already kind of discussed with like sales and customer service, it's just you're trying to convince someone that the line's going to go up, even though there's no guarantee that the line's going to go up, right? Mm-hmm. So you're just trying to instill confidence in something that you can't necessarily guarantee. So it's not necessarily a lie, but it is sort of eschewing the absolute truth, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. So Which I guess is it does that, fall into that sales category, but you know. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, specifically the wolf of wall street like that is he was just a salesman but he used the stock market to sell you know bum products to people essentially um i i had one i don't think it's as strong as the other two that i that i put up but uh i would say like a stay-at-home mom or a babysitter anyone who has to deal with talking with children that have lots of questions um a parent yeah parenthood yeah, I mean, that was another one that i thought about but i was like it's not really a job but being a parent to a toddler yeah it, i'm not i'm not necessarily excited about because i don't really want to explain yeah a lot of things to them <laughs> like certain things that i'm like this sucks and it's my responsibility to explain death to you or like climate change and how like 
the, the generations before us have ruined the planet and we're not really doing anything to fix it. Yeah. Yep. I don't really want to explain that to everybody Yeah, or to my son, but I'm going to have to. So cool. Well, do we have any, any more that we want to wrap it up with? Any, anyone got one more? Are I'm out. Brian, you have I'm any? out. I'm out. I got nothing left. I think everything right. else you can be honest. No excuses out there, people. All right. I got one more. Uh, fashion retail. <laughs> we have to tell people whether their clothes look good on them. I'm just kidding. It, I used to do that, and it wasn't that hard. You yeah, just I mean, tell people like, yeah, it's a six shirt, even if you think it's dumb. I mean, fashion retail is really just about a, adjusting the fit, right? I mean, I sold clothes, and it was like, okay, what you're looking for is for the seams to land over the shoulder. You're looking for this specific length to torso ratio. I mean, you can be completely honest selling that position. Yeah, I was just, I was just joking. Um, all right. Well, let's get into what we've been watching, reading, and listening to. Uh, who wants to go first here? Uh, I'll go first. Go ahead, Brad. Too slow, bro. All right. Um, so, obviously, recently, it's been The Expanse, which we're loving. Uh, I put on uh, a show called uh, Physical 100 on Netflix. I don't know if either of you, if this is ringing any bells. It's a... Never heard of it. it it's a Korean like competition game show where... <laughs> okay. Um, strong start well it was recommended to me i was like oh this looks interesting and it's it is so basically it looks like they're they're doing their best to capture the squid game uh magic but uh they did it in a real game show where they got the like what from what i can tell the who's who of korean culture as far as athletes uh models like physical specimens both male and female and put them in a competition of 100 people like similar to squid game where everyone shows up in that, you know, in the beginning and there's just a massive group of people that they're putting through these challenges. And then the, the challenges are like weeding people off by the droves in the early going. Like basically they all come into this room to start and they have like bus made of their like uh, neck to waist. So like they're just their torso or like there's um, whatever. Anyway, anyway. Um, and they're all jacked as shit. Right. And they're all in this room. And, but the other cool thing is they all recognize each other. Like a lot of them do anyway. They're like, oh, my God, that guy's on the Olympic team. Uh, you know, oh, that guy's, our, you know, the best UFC fighter in Korea. Oh, that guy's the arm wrestling champion of Korea. You know, and like all these people are just like people who take their their physical, uh, you know, health and well-being uh, very, very seriously. And uh, the, the purpose of the show is to figure out who has the the fittest body you know, I think is how they like the, everything. There's a little bit lost in the translation. I think the way they say it is the perfect body. Um, but you know, they, they don't just mean aesthetic. I think they mean like whose body is m most suited, most like well-rounded suited to any condition. Um, and it's, it's been fun. I, I, I enjoy it. I think the, uh, the translation to English is hilarious because they're so respectful that like the whole time they're all just like shouting compliments at each other or like saying compliments and then they'll like dub it over in English and they'll be like, look at his body. It is so perfect. Wow. His forearm <laughs> is bigger than my face or something. And it's like these weird, like loose translations that just, it just makes it very entertaining or like they'll ogle at each other in a way that like we won't do here. You know, I'm picturing a hundred of the fittest people in America being in a room together or in a competition together and it being very macho, you know testosterone driven competition everyone trying to beat each other into nothing over there they're like there's like one of the things where you have to go 
yeah, half of them had to like individually go over and challenge someone from the other half to a one-on-one competition. And they're like going up to people who they admire and respect and being like, like bowing to them and like shaking their hand and everybody bows like five times to each other. Like in America, I feel like everyone would be like just immediately talking shit to each other and like, you know, anyway. Yeah. It is interesting watching like game shows from other countries and then watching American game shows. So like, I don't like, I love, so I like, so I love cooking, right? Like I love cooking. I think it's really fun. I love the food. I like the, the aspect of like, working on something and having a completed thing that then you get to enjoy and like watch other people enjoy. Um, one of my favorite parts of it is baking. And so like I, I watch great British baking show and like, I love great British baking show because it is not intense in any way. Like you're just watching people make good food and then they just vote who has the best food. But then you watch the American versions of baking shows and it's like, all right, bake. And then it's just like, like, like all this guitar and like, like heavy, like electronic synths and just like lighting cues and all kinds of shit. It's like, why is this so intense? And like, everybody's kind of like talking shit about other people instead of like the British baking show where they're all like, wow, you'd make such good food. Like I love like your ideas and stuff. You know what I mean? It's just, it's interesting watching the differences between international game shows and American game shows for sure. Yeah, um, so so I've been really enjoying that one. Not not for uh, you know it for for the sole reason that the the competitions are uh, interesting and the and the narration is is hilarious or the audio uh, dubbing. But uh, just to give you an example, the very first competition is like shrouded in mystery, and then they go in and like during the competition they have like all kinds of crazy lighting and you know like the strategy is something that they're figuring out on the fly like they're not given any time to think through things in advance and so it's like it very squid games-esque um but obviously no machine guns or anything like that so um anyway super enjoyable um the other thing uh we put on the last of us last night for the first time finally i've been chomping at the bit to watch the last of us i've been hearing good things at work uh so we watched episode one and i gotta say i played the first game for a few levels and i thought they did a pretty good job of capturing that like first um you know scene that you play where you're like the little girl walking through the house looking for dad or whatever and and kind of going through the the early chaos of the outbreak um i thought they did a good job of replicating replicating that on screen i think uh pedro pascal is has been a great joel um episode one i i thought was uh highly entertaining and i'm looking forward to continuing uh and and that's that's it for me some people are calling episode three the greatest episode of television ever recorded i don't know about that but uh yeah i've i i liked that episode no spoilers i like that episode but i feel like it's being like overblown like crazy like it was making news headlines of being like this is the best episode tv of tv that's been made in 10 years and it's like I don't, I mean, it, it was good, but really, really, we're calling this the best episode? I don't know. It wasn't, it was fine. Um, anyway, yeah, really liking The Last of Us. Excited to talk about it once maybe the whole series is out. We can, we can do like a, a quick review spot on it, but really liking it. Um, I uh, have a few. I started playing the Avengers video game that I had talked about during our end of the year. I understand why people hated it so much. 
that's all I'll really say about it. We kind of, my brothers and I already kind of talked about it off mic, but um, I'll probably keep playing it for a little while, see if it gets any better, but not great. I'm glad that I waited and only spent $10 on it. Um, yesterday, I was home alone with my son for most of the day, so wanted to throw on some movies, threw on The Princess and the Frog on Disney+, Plus um, because it was like the only Disney movie I've never seen. And made me feel real racist for having not seen it since it's the only one with a black princess. So I watched it. Pretty good, actually. I liked it quite a lot. Um, very nostalgic uh, sort of animation process with the, the 2D cell animation. Um, and then last night, my wife and I watched WALL-E uh, for the first time in a long time. And I will say that movie it holds up so well, and I still maintain that it's probably my favorite Disney Pixar movie. I think it is so good, and like the fact that it's just like these two relatively silent robots for most of the movie, and like you, none of the messaging is lost by the fact that there's very little dialogue. Is just it's an impressive feat and genuinely beautiful animation and a very prescient story about humanity and our addiction to screens. So yeah, big. Uh, Big ups to that movie. Everyone should go watch it. It's uh, very, very, very good. Um, Jeff, what do you got? I got a couple. Um, let's see. Let me pull up my list here. Uh, okay, so I watched uh, an animated film that came out at the end of 2022, which was the, the Green Lantern movie. Um, origin story of Jon Stewart. Uh, it was interesting. Honestly, it, it wasn't the best animated film. It was okay. Um, you can tell a lot of the voice acting was done like recorded at home because um, the, the, the voice acting quality was just a little low for me. The delivery and stuff needed some work, work, working, workshopping. I don't know, some modifications. Um, my roommate and I are working our way through Record of Ragnarok, which is a Netflix animated show about uh, all of the gods deciding to wipe out humanity and the Valkyries who are responsible for, who are created to protect humanity, challenging the gods to a duel in which uh, one lead Valkyrie selects the strongest humans from human history and puts them up against the strongest gods uh, from all of the pantheons. And then the Valkyries essentially give up their souls to transform themselves into God-killing weapons uh, that those people then have a stand, can stand a chance against those gods. Um, so you have interesting people from, from past. Right now I'm watching uh, uh, Jack the Ripper fight Hercules. Um, <laughs> yeah it's it's fun um let's see my girlfriend and i started watching a league of their own the the uh amazon prime series i got three episodes into that and di didn't really love it like the women's baseball team yep yeah yep like the old tom hanks movie they've got uh, a new show yep cool it's entertaining um i Are also Madonna back uh i nope. don't think madonna's in it nope uh nick offerman's in it uh I don't know, a few people. Yeah, a couple people. Um, also keeping up with The Last of Us, also keeping up with The Bad Batch. Uh, my girlfriend and I also caught up with Vox Machina. As soon as they released the last couple episodes, we're going to finish that up, uh, which is nice. Uh, and I've also started rewatching uh, uh, what was originally Netflix's Daredevil, but it's now on Disney+. Plus. Um, just I saw that you were watching that when I logged in the other day. Yeah. And, uh... Yeah, just interesting. I just as I um, I've been having a lot of fun 
writing a comic book lately and I, I've been watching and trying to consume a lot of superhero media to uh, uh, help stay creative. Um, and in that same vein, been reading a lot of different comic books. I went and picked up the first volume to a comic book called Berserker, which was written or co-written by Keanu Reeves. Um and uses Keanu Reeves' likeness. Brian, I think you'll actually gravitate. This might be a graphic novel that you would actually enjoy reading, uh, which we know you love reading comic books because you read every single one we assign you. Um, so this one is about, kind of like Vandal Savage, it's about a guy who uh, was born into a cave tribe 76,000 years ago and was granted immortality and bloodlust and for the last 76,000 years have just been fighting in wars and now is essentially a tool of the American military because the American military has promised to, if he continues to go on missions and fight their enemies, find a way to make him mortal. And so he is going through therapy in between his missions, going to all of these different remote locations and killing people. He comes back and they do experiments on him. And then he goes through therapy where they try and dig into his past and understand things about him. Um, so he's it's it's told both retroactively. It's very very gory. It's got him just walking around putting his fists through people. It's it's extremely what, what entertaining. Called? It's called Berserker. It's a graphic novel or comic book. They've uh, I think confirmed that they're doing a movie and Keanu Reeves will be playing the character the main character, which is essentially just John Wick but with less stakes. I don't yeah. know. I'm John, not that interested in it, but it's it's a fun storytelling aspect. They they're I've been dropping some fun hints. It's well told, and the and the, the I don't know. I'm enjoying the conflict that the character has. Um, yeah, it's uh, so that's that's about it. I've also been keeping up with uh, uh, Radiant Black, um, which is uh, uh, a kind of a new comic book. Um, over the last couple of years, they, they put out a couple of volumes, and they actually uh, just uh, released a new comic within the universe. Have you checked that out yet? Mm -mm. With yeah. I can't remember what it's called, but I, I read something about it. All right. Well, I'm going to force you to wrap it up there because yep, I good. need to go. But next week, we're going to wrap up our Three Wishes trilogy with The Labyrinth, starring David Bowie and Jennifer Connelly. I've actually never seen it. It's like an 80s classic that I've just never watched. So excited to see him uh, dance around in a codpiece or whatever. So um, we're going to watch that. We're going to go through it. And uh, we'll see you guys all there next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everybody. Bye, guys. Bye.